Hey everyone, this is Pastor Tom and welcome to another episode of Cornerstone Conversations. And I'm very excited today to have two people here with me that are fellow attenders here at Cornerstone. And the, uh, Jerry Waits is the director of the Foundation Shelters here in town and Lancaster. And Bill Ashton is the assistant director of Foundation Shelters. And I wanted to speak with them about homelessness in Lancaster, Fairfield County, and what that means and just some history of the shelter and what are some of the things that they're facing today. I, I want to start this off by reading some scripture, and I think it's interesting. There are folks in our society today that maybe have chosen to live in a homeless situation, maybe. Um, I think a lot of people think that a lot of folks choose that. Maybe everybody chooses that. I don't believe that. I think some people have gotten used to it and they don't know how to get out of it. I don't know all the ins and outs of that. And I might upset some people by saying that, but I don't mean to. I think there's a lot of reasons with, that come along with homelessness and uh, all, of, all of those things. But I want to read the scripture in Matthew 25. Let's start at verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go also, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I think that that section of scripture is really important because Jesus does lay it into our feet, at, at our feet, to do something to help people that don't have clothing or food or, uh, you know, just safety in that regard. And it, it's hard, I think, sometimes for us to know if we're doing the right thing to help folks, I, I know I always do. I, I, I always get concerned about, am I enabling somebody to stay in a state of marginalization or am I really helping them up? So anyway, I, I, I guess I want to ask some questions to get started and we'll open this conversation because people don't need to just hear me talk. But 
uh, we'll start with you, Jerry. Um, so homelessness in Lancaster has been increasing, it seems to me, just from what I hear and see on the streets. When did the shelter actually begin? When did it start? The shelter uh, was started about 25 years ago. Uh, who started it? It was uh, Ed Klum, who was a uh, small business owner and operator uh, on the west side of Lancaster. Uh, when he retired, he was very concerned because he knew there were uh, people sleeping under bridges uh, with no place to go. And uh, what he did first, by the way, though, is he started the foundation dinners mm. uh, because he knew people were going hungry. But uh, after a while, he noticed also that there were, I, I remember him telling me that he knew of a lady that was sleeping under a bridge. Mm. And he just couldn't tolerate that. He just couldn't live with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so since he, he was a small businessman, he had two buildings and he had taken one of them that was a garage at one time and he turned it into the foundation dinners. And a couple of years later, when he saw the homeless problem, he turned it into the foundation shelters. Mm -hmm. I think you, you made a, you just said something that I think is really, really good. And that is he couldn't tolerate that. He couldn't, he couldn't deal with that, you know, and I think until people get to that point where we say, I can't deal with that, I'm going to do something about it. Too often, I think people say, well, why isn't somebody doing something about that? Well, why aren't you doing something about that? And Ed is one of those people that 25 years ago decided, I think... I could get people behind this and we could make a difference in Lancaster. I think that's a beautiful thing. That's it an is a wonderful thing. It is. It really is. And if we don't have people like that, then our world is not going to change. And I'm, I'm one of these. Who said, you, Pastor, for evil to triumph, it is only necessary I, for good men to do nothing? I don't know. I'm not sure who said that, but I love that quote and I have used it. And I think it is very pertinent that if we do nothing, then evil is going to prosper. And if we will, you know, but doing stuff, doing things, making a difference requires a personal sacrifice on our own part. Some people are not willing to do that. Trust me, as a pastor, I know that. There's a lot of folks that will not sacrifice beyond Sunday morning. You know, I can come to church on Sunday morning, but that's all I can do. You know, and I think this scripture that we just read in Matthew 25 really calls us to be and do more. And I think that's a good word for us, more. And that's really what you guys do every day at the shelter. Um, so tell me about... Oh, one of the, I guess, some of the challenges that, that you, well, let me, let me back up a second. When did you guys come in to the shelter? When did, what was your beginning and start? Why don't you start, Jerry, and then we'll go to Bill here. Before my professional retirement, I was a counselor for people with disabilities, helping them figure out how to work, how to support themselves. And, uh, all different kinds of problems came my way, 
uh, physical disabilities, emotional disabilities, cognitive disabilities. Uh, and we had to come up with a plan to help that person identify what they could do. But there were lots of features involved in making a plan like that. But if the individual I was meeting was homeless and that happened, that was the first thing that had to be dealt with because nobody can hold a job when they're homeless. Employers don't like it when you show up stinky or late because maybe you overslept or couldn't sleep because because how uncomfortable of how uncomfortable it was where you were staying. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I had been wrestling with where do I start on a problem like that when uh, I just happened to see a newspaper article that told about Ed and how he had started his shelter. Mm. And uh, I, I thought, wow, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in life where you have to think long and hard to decide in any given problem or situation, what side should I be on? What's the, really the right thing to do? And when I saw what Ed was doing, I thought, wow, a no-brainer, one that's easy. There can't possibly be anything wrong with trying to make sure people don't have to sleep outside under a bridge or on a bleacher. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it just so happened after reading that story that the very next day, the next one of my uh, people that came in was homeless. And I thought, whoa, I know who to call. And so I called him and asked where the shelter was. And the, the Lord moved me to say, and hey, I sure would like to help out in some way with what you're doing over there. And so my association with the foundation shelter began then. Uh, at the beginning, everyone was a volunteer. And what uh, year was that, did you say? How that would have been, around, well, uh, about 97, maybe, wow. something like that. Uh, and as I say, when it began, everybody was a volunteer. Uh, we had 30 different people uh, that had a one day of the month that they would cover. Mm. But the homeless problem wasn't so bad back then, and, and that system would work. But as time passed and the homeless situation became... Uh, more and more dire, uh, changes had to be made. And it got to the point where instead of a volunteer once a month, we had to have innkeepers who had kind of learned to deal with the various difficult challenges that come up in that, that setting. And we kind of got into a place where you'd have uh, one innkeeper for each day. And, and eventually it got to the point where there would only be three or four innkeepers that were covering the whole week, but they were the three or four that had been kind of uh, sifted out by the challenge of the job itself that they, that they could handle that. You know, so Bill, I, what, what about you? When did you come into this? Uh, I came into this in the, when the last pastor was involved, and I think that was in the early to late 90s. Um, he asked me if I wanted to volunteer. What, uh, what pastor was that? Pastor Dave. Oh, Dave Dilger? Yes. Yep. Um, he'd asked me if I wanted to volunteer, and I said, sure, I'd, I'll give it a try. And I would work, uh, I'd sit there probably every other Monday, and then somebody else would take over the next Monday, you know, and it went back and forth. But it was only like every other week, but still, you know, 
at that, you was able to be able to talk to people and get to know the homeless and uh, understand where they're coming from and uh, how they got to where they're at. And so uh, I've been with the shelter ever since the middle 90s. So, so... I find the whole, the whole, I find the whole thing with homelessness very frustrating. Okay. Um, I know a lot of folks that are homeless, you know, and I, I'm just like, God, what do we do about this? But what, what do you think about my statement that some people are okay to be living in the woods? I I know people who have told me, well, I'm, I'm good. I've got my place. I've got my tent. I've got this, I've got that. You know, I'm, it's really not that bad, Pastor Tom. I don't know that that means that they were okay with it, but they had become, they had maybe resigned themselves to the fact this is my situation and I have, you know, I, I'm the chaplain at the jail and there are folks that they, you have to get okay at a certain point in time with your incarceration or else you'll go crazy. So what, what, what do you say about that? I mean, do you have any comments about that, that comment that some people are okay with being homeless? Or I think that there are those that enjoy the way of life that they're living. The independence. Yeah. Right. And I don't, the, I'm not accountable to anybody. I don't have any bills or anything like that. Right. And, uh, you know, to stay in a tent or wherever, they're, they're comfortable with that. So that's the the lifestyle they choose, and they're happy with it. Mm -hmm. I think there are quite a few people that it might look a little bit like that on the surface, uh, uh, but some of the folks that appear to have just chosen that lifestyle, they chose that because it was the least stressful choice they could make. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could say they were extreme introverts, and they just were very uncomfortable around people. Uh, and then if, if, if you take such a possibility, there are several factors that will lead to homelessness. If you're very uncomfortable around people, it's going to be hard to hold a job. You're not going to interact with society in a successful way so that you can support yourself. And if an individual feels that trying to fit into the social environment in work or, or wherever, uh, is so uncomfortable that it that that is a greater threat to them than dealing with the discomfort of homelessness then that's what they choose now i don't think there are too many that are in that category i think there there are uh, many who may have chosen homelessness because well for have you ever gone to work and thought man I can't believe I got to spend five days a week, eight hours a day doing this grueling job. And they just, and so there are some that have decided, and I'm not going to. Uh, and that may be one of the reasons, mm-hmm. but there's so many reasons. And at- do, you, do you think that oh, there's a big mental health reason to, are there folks that are really struggling with coping, just coping with life. Life in this country is really good, but it is very difficult in a lot of ways, even for very sane, you know, with it people that have a grasp on everything, it can still be mind numbing and difficult. So is, is mental health play a role? I'm just guessing, but 
I I would place a substantial wager mm-hmm. that at least half of the homeless people have a significant mental health issue that they're dealing with, mm-hmm. and probably a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Some of those mental health issues may have been brought on by the fact that they ended up homeless. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now that if I was homeless, mm-hmm. I'd have some mental health issues. Right. I agree. I think it's a, you know, just like right now, it's beautiful today, uh, you know, in mid-December when we're, when we're taping this, but it's going to get cold, you know, and it, this is a, a, you know, to live in the woods or, you know, to, to be outside would not be difficult necessarily, except it dips down at night, but January, February timeframe, it's going to get cold and that's got to be a challenge. That's got to be a real challenge. You know, um, I think of this, uh, you know, this is Lancaster, Ohio. I, I drive up and down Memorial Drive, you know, to get home and to go to the jail and come to the church and all sorts of things, go to the store and everything. It's the main artery of Lancaster, right? Besides Main Street, Main Street, and but either street, uh, I drive, I'm driving down and I see folks who are obviously homeless or, you know, walk, they, you know. And I just think, God, this is Lancaster, Ohio. I've lived in Fairfield County my entire life, my family. The Underwood family has been in Fairfield County since about 1824, so or, or thereabouts. So, you know, our family has lived in the Carroll Havensport area for over 150 years. I've lived here my li- a whole life, 59 years, and I've not seen what we see today, except for the last maybe 15. 10, 15 years. And it's like, God, what, why is this happening? And you just think this, this shouldn't be happening in this beautiful city. But I just wonder sometimes whose responsibility is that? Is it the city fathers? I mean, or is it the folks downtown? Is it the mayor? Is it the council? Is it the, the county commissioners? Or is it the judges? Uh, you know, is it, who, who's responsible for this? We, sometimes we want to place blame and say, these people aren't doing enough. Well, maybe it's them. Is it the churches? Is it pastors who aren't focused on helping people? I mean, although a lot of churches in the city help in a lot of different ways. And just, by the way, I have to, I, I would like to butt in for a absolutely, minute. Absolutely, go ahead. We get wonderful support from many different churches. All, uh, uh, St. Vincent de Paul uh, provides clothing for anybody that we send over there that wow. comes in, and, uh, uh, and they also give us some monthly cleaning funds. We get checks from churches. Uh, our shelter is completely supported by loving Christian donations, uh, either from Sunday school classes, individuals, or churches. Mm-hmm. We don't get government funds. Yeah, do, you don't, do you get United Way funds? Uh, we got some United Way funds because it was specifically being, it, it was funds administered by United Way uh, and uh, the Fairfield Foundation that were given by the government to address the problems of COVID. Uh, so we did get some help with that, which we needed because we had to greatly extend our operating hours, uh, and uh, that money allowed us to to keep open. Uh, and we also recently received a grant from the the Fairfield Foundation uh, that got us a, a a regular residential type furnace for the women's shelter. Uh, 
made some other repairs and additions uh, to security. So we do get some other funds, but but by and large, it uh, it is donations from Christian people. I mm-hmm. get uh, checks for $10, and I sometimes get checks for a couple thousand dollars. What I love the most, though, is when I see a person who is consistently faithful. Uh, it's really wonderful if somebody sends in a check for $500, but for that individual that, that is sending, say, $20 a month, but they've done it every month for the, for the last however many years, to me, that just demonstrates to me their faithful commitment to doing what the Lord said. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of them, a lot of the donations that do come in are from individuals, mm-hmm. and, but there's also quite a few churches that uh, steps up and mm-hmm. uh, What supports. about businesses? Do you get donations from businesses? Do you occasionally? Ever- yes, yes. There's, uh, uh, especially around the Christmas time, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Yes, there are. I, I assume it wouldn't be appropriate to mention the businesses, yeah, but no. <laughs> yes, there are a few businesses that do that. Uh, the ones that do that, though, I'm pretty sure that the owners are doing it because they're Christian people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think until we see homelessness as all of our issue, you know, uh, Tammy, my wife, uh, and my son Trent recently had to go to Los Angeles for a surgery that Trent had to have. And one of the things, one of the first things Tammy mentioned to me was the homelessness everywhere in Los Angeles. And just people walking by people literally laying. She took a picture of a guy just literally laying in the middle of the sidewalk on a piece of cardboard asleep. And I thought it was interesting because I was talking to my other son and his girlfriend. Uh, my son Timothy lives in Columbus right now. He's going to Ohio State. And he's like, oh, that's everywhere in Columbus too, Dad. I'm like, oh, I I guess I saw that when I worked in Columbus years ago around the Capitol building. I actually, one day, I was stunned. This was back in the early 80s. And I had a job where I had to go around to all the banks around Capitol Square and deposit money from business customers. They would call in, transfer money, and I literally walked it around downtown, which is a great job in the summertime, but horrible in the winter. (laughs) Um, But I remember this day, I was walking by the Capitol Square. I'm right there on the square by the Capitol building. I was walking to the next bank, and I saw this guy going through a garbage can. He had taken the lid off and was going through the garbage looking for food. And I remember coming home that night from work and telling my wife, I'm like, Tammy, you are not going to believe what I saw today. She's like, what? I said, I actually saw a guy going through the garbage looking for food. She's like, you're kidding. I'm like, no. I mean, I live, I've lived, I lived a sheltered life. I'd never seen anything like that before. And I'm like, what? You've got to be kidding me. But you know what? That's everywhere. In, mm-hmm. in this city, I think people are doing that probably. I seen it, that same thing happen a couple weeks ago uh, at McDonald's. There was a guy. He was going through the garbage. Mm-hmm. Here in town. Here, here in, town. in Lancaster. In, in Lancaster, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Well, I've reached the ripe old age of 71. And uh, the thing that I've noticed is, I remember 
especially around this time of year, what it was like in Lancaster, Ohio, when I was like 17. I remember shopping in downtown Lancaster, downtown Lancaster, not a plaza or a mall or whatever, and all the the nice little quaint uh, stores. And, you know, maybe I missed it, but I don't remember seeing any homeless people back then. Uh, And as the years have passed, you can't help but notice the changes. First, when I was young, there were no pawn shops in Lancaster, Ohio. Now, I'm not putting pawn shops down, but I'm just saying a pawn shop, what, what is a pawn shop? It's where somebody's so desperate for money that they take some of their possessions and get mm-hmm. an amount of money for it that is way less usually than what it might be worth because they're desperate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see people standing on the streets with signs saying, homeless, please help. Mm-hmm. You didn't see, I don't remember ever seeing uh I hate to use the word, but it boils down to a beggar mm-hmm. uh, or a panhandler. Uh, but as time went on, and in my career, I worked in an office in Columbus. And so I saw it first there where I would be approached as I would be going to my car after work with, oh, I ran out of gas and I have to get back to Newark. Can you please give me $20? Uh, and heard many different stories of people coming after money. And I think we all know now that usually that money is going on uh, uh, drugs or alcohol. Not always, not always, but Mm -hmm. usually. Mm -hmm. I remember having my car flagged down once by a lady that said, can you please give me money for diapers? I'm out of diapers. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's hard to say no to something Mm -hmm. like that, but uh, that kind of thing has just been growing for years and years until we have gotten to this point in Lancaster where uh, I don't know if anybody else has noticed it, but there is a sign on the corner of Memorial and Fair Avenue, a sign warning against donating mon- money to, mm-hmm. to um, panhandlers. Right. It's at Memorial and Whittier, and it's at, it's at over by Walmart and uh, Edie Road. And they're all over the city because they want to try to discourage it because, you know, some people do have learned it is a way, it is a, it is a source of income. It's a way to make money versus, and you know, we, we might sound like we're, this is an indictment on Lancaster or whatever. It really isn't, but, but homelessness is everywhere in every city, every town, everywhere. And, you know, you think how, you know, what is the what should we be doing? And I guess that's where I want to kind of make this, uh, summarize all of this to say, what should we be doing? I think we could sit here for hours and hours and talk about a lot of things, but what should we be doing? And what does the shelter need that, that we can help with? Obviously, uh, funds, but let's talk about that separately. But what should we be doing as believers in Christ to help people in our city? Here's the thing. I love Lancaster, Ohio. Um, different people have uh, said to me over the years, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll call out my son, he was so happy to get out of Lancaster. I'm like, why do you want to leave Lancaster so bad? I think Lancaster is a wonderful place. I love this city. I think it's a beautiful city. It, there's a lot of good people here. There's beautiful churches here. We have a beautiful downtown. I mean, I could be the... 
I'll hold up some signs saying, go Lancaster. But here's the thing. We can't ignore our warts. We have things that we need to deal with. And I'm, I'm not sure how to fix that stuff. I think a lot of people are thinking about that in Lancaster. How do we fix homelessness? What do you guys think? What do you think we should be doing? I think that the problem of homelessness is so complex. Everything from, the, I would call it the deterioration in the fabric of our society, uh, uh, at the risk of sounding like an old fogey, uh, I think that a lot of these problems are what we should have expected when we did things like say, oh, we got to keep prayer out of schools. How to behave appropriately basic ethics, those things we learned uh, more at church than we do at school. Mm -hmm. School teaches, teaches people about stuff, mm -hmm. but right and wrong mm -hmm. is taught in the church and in the family. Right. And as those, as those uh, institutions have eroded, people are going into adulthood without having developed the coping strategies and, and the, the character that is necessary to make it in the work environment and support themselves. Uh, in short, the, the homeless are there for many different reasons. There are homeless people that are there because they have a cognitive disability and, and can't handle the complexity of modern society to maintain their own uh, residence, etc. There are people with mental health issues that cause them to act out at times and sabotage their attempts to, to have a stable life environment that includes an apartment and a job. There are people whose physical condition is that way. There are people that are homeless because by misfortune uh, they don't have any family support. Uh, there are people that are homeless that have large, large families, but their behavior was, mm -hmm. was so uh, destructive that mm -hmm. they just totally burned out their families. Right. Well, and you know, one thing you didn't mention was drug addiction. I mean, drug addiction is a major source of homelessness because... When I was is. talking about disabilities, the reliance on drugs to give them a brief feeling of contentment is something that has happened to a lot of people that the condition started uh, or, the, or their use of drugs or alcohol started quite often because of other unpleasant uh, things in their life, but because they were never get, given help developing this, the, the character and the coping strategies that they needed uh, in order to deal with those, they were left with no other recourse right. than just to depend upon others to care for them. There was right. a lot of people, uh, of course, you knew where I worked before prior to foundation shelters was that a lot of people, a lot of guys coming out of prison, they get out and they have no place to go. Mm -hmm. So they end up at the, the transition center to be transitioned into the, into the community, into the mm -hmm. community but a lot of them kick, a, kick against it. They don't want nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. But we were there to help them, and mm -hmm. uh, they, couldn't un they wouldn't grasp that. So mm -hmm. they end up, well, I'm going back out on the street. I have no place to go. Mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, uh, it, and you said this, Jerry, the, the breakdown of the family, you know, the family unit is very, very important because it, it does all those things uh, for a person as they grow up. It gives shelter, it gives food, it gives teaching, it gives training, it gives uh, a, a help to be on your own. If that is broken down, which it has in our society as a whole, not just Lancaster, Ohio, the entire world actually, then that uh, is a very important source of your future success. So what, what has happened is the government uh, jails and prisons and halfway houses and program, you know, uh, rehab programs and all those things have, have kind of become the surrogate family for a lot of folks in distress, we'll say, who've, who've made bad decisions, uh, who then get into a system and then the system is working as hard as it can and as best as it can to help the onslaught of people that are, that are, you know, struggling. Um, and we can talk about that forever, but I want to get to this. What, what can we ask folks to do to help foundation shelters in your daily mission of helping the homeless in Lancaster, Ohio, you know, and you said this at the beginning, or maybe you said it, but you didn't, maybe you didn't say it, but I kind of heard it. There are some people that will not go to a shelter. Uh, they won't unless they have absolutely no choice. Right. Recently, the numbers have been much higher. Uh, we've been totally full. Uh, on What's several, f- what is full? How many? We people? have fifteen bunks for men and ten for women, and we've had several nights recently when all fifteen bunks were full. Mm. In fact, I've had a couple times where an innkeeper pulled a mattress out of storage and put it on the floor rather than putting somebody back out in the cold. Absolutely. If you don't mind, I would like to talk about what people could do. Yes, absolutely. As I said, the problem is so complex that I don't know that we can do anything about attacking the whole problem. But what what I can do is I can continue to work at the shelter Mm -hmm. and we could certainly use some volunteers. Even if a volunteer could only work two or three hours once a month, that would be very helpful because our population has, has grown so much. uh, When you think of one innkeeper trying to care for 15 people, that doesn't sound like such a bad number, but remember, that's not 15 ordinary, well-fed, perfectly contented people. Follow that, the rules. Do yeah, what you're supposed to do. That's 15 people who spend most of their time trying to figure out where they're going to eat next, whether the weather's going to be bad enough that, that they really need to get to the shelter. And they have to leave it. They have to be in by what time, leave it. Well, time? during this time of the year, we open at five in the afternoon and uh, the people can stay at the shelter, take their showers, uh, socialize with one another. Uh, wash uh, clothes. Can they wash wa- their clothes? Well, uh, the innkeepers wash clothes for the folks because if you just let people use the machines themselves, uh, some people are very appreciative and very careful with the machines, but some people... Mm-hmm because they're desperate and they're not really thinking about other people or their needs, like 
other people may need this machine. Right. I'm not going to re- mistreat it. It really works better if the innkeepers do mm-hmm. that. And it kind of fits with our message or our mission anyway, because those of us who are there, if we were asking simple language, why are we there? It would be because we want people to know that Jesus loves them. And we're trying to give them the example of, you know me, I could be at home watching TV, but I'm here trying to help you. And why am I doing that? Because my Lord and Savior told me that he would like me to do that and care about other people. So we you could use volunteers we could use volunteers and i know you said well of course money but yes our costs have gone up a lot we opened that second building uh and that that costs uh, a fair amount of money in fact up until the last two years we got enough donations that we were building a uh, reserve in case of bad times. Well, the the hard times are here. Mm -hmm. Our reserves have been shrinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, There have been people that stepped up to try to help with that and, and have become more generous, but our reserves are still shrinking. So anybody that that's willing to help with funds, that's great, but we can use the volunteers mm-hmm. too. Yeah. You know, it, volunteers would not have to care for or, or um, cope with, if you will, the, the, the difficulties or the problems, the innkeepers will be there, mm-hmm. but innkeepers can easily be overwhelmed with right. all the things that need to be done. Right. And if someone else is there to hand out the blankets or turn on the dryer or just listen to somebody that needs somebody to talk to them. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, well, another set of hands. It's just another set of hands. Yes. 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 And, 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 you know, I'm all about, uh, I was a career type, a type of career counselor. I'm all about careers. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. never hurts to be able to put on your resume mission work. Right. Cause that's what it is. It's missionary work. It is missionary work. And it is not looking down at people, by the way. I feel I'm, I am very, very, I feel very adamant about that. We treat people like human beings, not like animals. What did you want to say, Bill? And everything we're doing, we've all, we've added a new roof to the buildings. We've had new air conditioning systems put in both, both buildings for, for the, uh, the uh, residents' comfort. And they know they're not going to get wet because mm-hmm. the roofs are... Uh, right. And that only comes through the donation of the people that right. give to the to the shelters. Well, and and we have to maintain what God has given us. So every donation that is made uh, to the shelter, go. I mean, you you all are very careful about how that money is spent. So I I'm I am just I'm very excited that we have this Christ focused shelter in Lancaster, Ohio, and that that you do all sorts of things to try to help people on a daily basis. I mean, we could spend another hour here talking about all the stories. Jerry came with a folder full of stories that would be wonderful to go through, but we just don't have the time. But it's so important for folks to understand this is an important mission. It's a mission work within our own city and county. And you can always use help. You can use help. And it's, it's just important to Pastor, for, for them to understand. Only a few days ago, when I got to the shelter in the morning, the innkeeper told me that we had someone come in. They didn't walk through the door. They didn't knock on the door. 
the innkeeper heard them calling out for help from the parking lot. Mm. They got out there and they found the person uh, had an infected foot and just couldn't walk any further. Mm. Uh, recently, and by that I mean in the last week, I, I think we had two people on oxygen in the homeless shelter. We had a person in a wheelchair there this morning. There are suffering people that do mm -hmm. not even have a dry, warm place to sleep. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know, as confusing as modern life is, that there can be nothing wrong. You're not making a mistake mm -hmm. when you take a suffering human being mm -hmm. and you try to address their suffering. Right. And that's what working or volunteering or giving to the shelter does. The reward... I really don't think I could enjoy my home anymore sitting there in front of my television with my loving wife and sipping my coffee, uh, knowing that while I'm doing that, there were people sleeping under mm -hmm. bridges. Right. And, you know, I keep saying sleeping under bridges, sleep, but that's true. That's mm -hmm. where many of them, or <clears throat> in abandoned garages, mm -hmm. or in abandoned coal shelters. Mm-hmm. There is an awful lot of suffering out there, mm -hmm. and just a little bit of effort, mm -hmm. especially as if we all got involved. Right, absolutely. Well, praise the Lord. I'm I'm so glad you guys came to talk with me. I I see you every Sunday morning, and I love it. And I love you guys, and I love what you do because it's important that we reach out to help people. So, I I want to close this out, and I would like Bill. Would you want to pray? Uh, this afternoon as we close this out. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for enabling us to be able to do what we do for the homeless people. And Father, we only know, we know it's only by your hand that we can do these things. And also the uh, support that you give the people that are giving to help these people out. And we just want to give you the praise and glory for all that you do and and that these people are, have a place to come in and be warm and stay dry, and they have a comfortable place to sleep and just lay their head down and forget about the day. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord. Well, God bless you guys. And folks, we're so glad that you decided to listen in today. We pray that you will uh, catch us again at Cornerstone Conversations. And hey, come Come and visit us sometime at Cornerstone Alive. We would love to have you. God bless you, and we pray that you have a great week.